This week's episode of Laser Time is brought to you by Gamefly, and you can go to GameflyOffer.com slash LazerTime to get started with a free 30-day trial. Sorry, people, there is going to be no show today because... Because we're on strike! More on that in a second. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Laser Time, the Internet's, I'm going to say, sixth leading <clears throat> pop culture show. Yeah. After that uh, that theme song, Vote Down, mm-hmm. and the Disney Afternoon show. we got to have moved up yeah. one yeah, ranking. Yeah, the Tadstone's mm-hmm. magic. Yeah, despite no acquisition. Um, we're the <laughs> only unacquired podcast in the history of anything that's lasted this long. The hottest free agent. Yes, we are the Internet's sixth leading pop culture show. We usually pick a topic, ramble on. I'm Chris Antista. Uh, I'm Dave the Scab Rudden. <laughs> I'm Bob Death the Scabs Mackey. This is gonna be this is gonna be tough. I'm Henry Corporation Hater Gilbert. Okay, so that's the disclaimer right away. Apparently, you make one Trump joke in a podcast, you get these comments. Eh, don't be so political. And I to them, I say I I do apologize that 002 percent of this show made you feel bad, Snowflake. <laughs> that's but 15 seconds of my life I'll never have exactly. back. Exactly. I did not come here for fucking Ellen DeGeneres show level Trump one off <laughs> jokes. It defends me so much. Uh, but he's he's very, I agree with you he's very much worth defending but I'm telling <laughs> I'm telling all all anybody who feels like that leave now one joke out of the way first you have to leave right now his what? hair is silly his hair is silly his very face silly. Went, his face is a different color yeah. like his follicles went on strike yeah. <laughs> wow that was pretty rough um, <laughs> sorry I Mr. Do, President but this I, is there's I, no I, way this episode isn't going to get political yeah. because we're going to talk about strikes. Mm. Uh, Workers' rights, all that stuff. Which a little, is, a little bit, but yeah. it was more through the lens of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but because that's the only yeah. thing we can really know for 100. percent We're looking at 30 2010, our mm-hmm. show that looks 30 20 10 years in the past. We noticed the writer strike. We were coming up on 10 year anniversary of the writing and strike. We almost had another one. Yeah, we just we just narrowly avoided. And that's one. that's the weird thing that I was in a position like. Come on, strike! This is this would make the episode even more potent. Yeah. Yeah. But it might, if there was an actual writer strike happening right now, we'd be like, yeah. Because there, th- we'll talk this. That'll conclude. They will get a it'll conclude this. Uh, ta- this conversation. We'll talk about the ten-year anniversary of the writer strike and all the fallout that occurred from that. Oh, it's yeah. way more than you think it was, and mm, it's not yeah. all like left-leaning either. Because mm-hmm. strikes are damaging by and. By design, mm-hmm. that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. They're, they're supposed to make you make, fight monolithic yeah. monopolies make, by make the organizing corporation work real, realize the worth of the worker. Yeah, well, yes, because well, because corporations are built on exploitation <laughs> of a worker. Like that is, <laughs> it is the <laughs> this is okay, the Marx. Is, but it is, it <laughs> yeah, is, it's like, true. It is the deal you make by working for a company, which is. I give you my labor, and you exploit that, and you pay me for that service yeah. as little as possible. And yeah, but there, it, make- it is sometimes that. But but seeing like it's such a tricky situation because it's not always that. Because no, like no. say say like the economy is shitting bad, or the depression is happening, or people aren't buying this shit, and like mm-hmm. in order to exist, we need to cut your wages. And yeah. that happened all the time in the early 1900s in America. Mm-hmm. They would you ha- we have to cut all wages in order to exist. Union stepped in. Fuck you, no. And a <laughs> lot of times strikes occurred and yeah. people maintained their wages and some of those companies might not be around a lot mm-hmm. of other people end up getting hurt in the residual blast but it is it is the last 
It is the last line of defense for the working man. Yeah. Well, yeah. We should also say, I don't think any of us have been in a... Have any of us no. been in a no, union? No, no, it's impossible. I mean, yeah. unions are dead. And it's important to go back in history to look mm -hmm. at the, the history of unions in the early 20th century in yeah. America. Uh People were killed mm -hmm. fighting for their workers' yeah. rights. Like, company owners would send in the National Guard yeah. to murder striking workers yeah, who wanted, like, a bathroom break There's or a something. joke hire the Pinkertons to murder Yes. People. If you didn't watch, uh, if you didn't listen to our show, Talking Simpsons, on Last Exit of Springfield, the yeah. Power Plant Strike episode, Grandpa is playing a strike buster. Yes. A kind <laughs> of cop who is just there to break up strikes. Uh, th there were, But to put it in perspective, around 1937, there were 5,000 strikes mm. that year. Mm -hmm. In 2010, there were 11. So wow. it's not. It isn't something people take lightly, and I, yeah. I ended up go like I'm. I did a bad job at researching. <laughs> Let me just say that right away. So I tried to look into strikes that occurred and what they'd done for us, mm -hmm. and I, yeah. uh, and it was difficult because people have a lot of different stances on strikes. You end up kind of debilitating a company on one end, but the workers end up getting rights on another. Like my girlfriend's dad works at the post office. His pension and shit is fucking amazing yeah. uh, because of a notable nineteen. Was it nineteen? 70 post office strike that started in New York and spread nationwide that for two weeks nobody got their fucking mail because oddly enough President Richard Nixon allowed postal workers made a provision to allow postal workers to demonstrate and so my new penthouse the, the National Guard was brought in to act as the post office God, and I did not like succeed Reagan will launch an airstrike on the post offices yeah. well, I mean there is famously Reagan yes. fired yeah. all those, but uh, Jimmy uh, Carter apparently did the same thing people. yeah yeah, he fired during the, yeah. Uh, an airport strike that was yeah. a turning point for the power of unions for sure but, but one of the things we can attribute to, and we're again we're going to yeah. get into pop culture here There's yeah. us. I, I should add that my, I'm, I'm the son of a right. uh, union guy too my, my dad worked for 9X which became AT&T mm -hmm. uh, and in 1989 uh, they went on strike for three months whoa uh, it was because their healthcare was getting cut or mm -hmm. they would have to pay higher premiums and they didn't want to do that and they lit yeah I just remember my dad basically spending an entire summer like not <laughs> at home like he, he would go to union meetings yeah. and well, just go to picket lines and stuff, but it was weird. But he also because, wasn't like, getting paid. Yeah, so it was yeah. like a, it was a, a summer of like, oh, we're getting the fucking bad pizza place again. Come on, <laughs> no cheese well, this time, Dave. We're all making sacrifices. <laughs> well, okay, just to define a strike for listeners, it means when a group of united workers, mm -hmm. as protest, do not work mm -hmm. their jobs and don't let other people take their yeah, jobs. Yeah, and, and another weird fallout of that, the mafia. Mm. The, the mafia, yeah. like if you listen to Ray all Liotta's line in, in, in Goodfellas, all we were there to do was to protect people, couldn't go to the cops. That's it. <laughs> and that's and so yeah. a lot of times when unions, guess whose side cops are going to take mm. in a workers versus company I would situation? Think a company, probably. So, yeah. so a mean, lot of times the mafia is called, they're associated yeah. with unions mm, and. Yeah, it's not raw. I mean, when you have any power structure, mm -hmm. guess what? Mm -hmm. Bad people yeah. will exploit mm -hmm. it. That will happen yeah. with unions too. Oh, did you guys down the street at that that place lemonade? This like it literally serves fancy lemonade. Mm -hmm. It's an it's LA startup, so I'm not going to San Francisco. <laughs> but the entire time it's been there, there's been like uh, like a giant rat balloon oh, and like unfair to workers, uh, and it's like oh, right in front of the entrance. Yeah. And because of the laws in the United States, apparently it's much harder to strike in Europe. Mm. Uh, they get to stand there and have the entire time the restaurant well, has been there. That sidewalk yeah. is zoned for giant rat balloons, so <laughs> yeah. they were incredibly lucky. But in 1959, yeah. steel workers uh, decided to walk out because of booming profits in the wake of World War II. Oh, yeah. like the leading steel producer, and none of that was spread to the workers. They walked out, successfully got what they wanted. More recently, mm. in 97, uh, UPS workers walked I out because there, was, there wasn't a lot of... Almost no one was full time or had any benefits, mm -hmm. but 
when workers realize we are vital to this thing, and if we walk out, you this whole system is fucked. Mm. That's a, and so I know two people personally, one of which is the father of someone who's been on a lot of these shows. UPS workers have great benefits. Oh, they do, yeah. And I just they do. the best thing I could do. They get to open one package I, of anyone's <laughs> every month. I, I remember when it was on strike that uh, I would go. I went to Suncoast Video and my comic store. Like, where's the new anime DVD <laughs> uh, VHS tapes? <laughs> uh, the strike, oh, nuts. The new Evangelions in the factory, kid. <laughs> um, but one of the things you can attribute to workers' rights in organization and demonstrating. Are fucking weekends. Mm-hmm. Yes, weekends. It is a. It was a, a fascinating rabbit hole to go down and look at when the weekend started. Like mm-hmm. somewhere around 1879, the idea that a seven-day week, months are lunar cycles, mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. are the cycle of the Earth. Seven days means nothing to anything organically. That is man-made. Mm-hmm. All yeah, man-made. Yeah. And time it, is just a construct, man. And it's, <laughs> and it's just weirdly rooted in religions that mm-hmm. every religion has a holy day. Christian Sunday, Sabbath, uh, so and the Sabbath, they pronounce it for for uh, at your tabernacles, synagogues. I'm trying to do Burns. I'm not actually anti-Semitic, <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, I didn't know Muslims Friday. That mm. that is the recognized day of worship, or I didn't. What, I don't even know what it's called. But if you look in like there, they have this in Muslim countries, same hours and work weeks, mm. but it starts on Sunday to Thursday. I see. Because Friday is the day of observance, and I think there was some situation I ended up reading about that. Jewish workers in the early 20s at a mill got Saturday off. And the mm. Christians were like, the fuck? <laughs> they get Saturday off? They get two days off? Because they're already taking Sunday off. That's not fair. Uh, because it, like the first recorded weekend. A great Christian accent. Is it, <laughs> is the first recorded weekend is in 1879 from a British a British magazine with the most British name ever, Notes and Inquiries. Uh, Notes and Inquiries. I like the inquiries myself. That's uh, what in I 1929, buy the first union, the Amalgamated Textile Workers of America, concluded a like won us a 44-hour work week. Uh, that went into the Labor and Sanders Fair Labor and Standards Acts of FBR, which which made a solid forty hour work week. Uh, I love that for socialist employ- man. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a crazy idea someone had where it's like, okay, your day should be eight hours of sleep, mm-hmm. eight hours of work, and eight hours of leisure. That yeah. was this, this fundamental idea which kind of designed our work week. But now it's been proven there's not enough work to go around. Dude, like the forty is, hour work week does not work. Everything it's, is automated. In an automated yeah. technologically advanced society. But back then. It was the same as now where the super rich people who own the companies, yeah. they beg poverty on that. They would say, if we if we lose weekends, if we yeah. lose child labor, if we <laughs> lose, if we have to do all these safety things, it'll bankrupt our company and kill all of it. Yeah. And progress still mm-hmm. continued, and yeah. they're richer than ever now exactly. with all those things. So when well, they say, oh, well, we can't do a $15 there are, minimum there are, wage. There are some notable examples of like demonstrations and strikes. We ended up tanking companies. Yeah. It, it has happened, but not as much as I think the right would have you believe. Mm-hmm. It is. It can be really damaging to companies. Yeah. And we'll see that later on. I, I guess I should probably steer it more towards a pop, pop culture. culture. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, whenever I think strike, I think of Garbage Strike, the yeah. musical yes. from Rocco's Modern <laughs> Life. We're on strike. We're on strike. We can do anything that we like. We won't pick up cans of bottles, rags of junk, or coffee grounds. We won't pick up old newspapers, dirty diapers, wedding gowns. We're not touching your used cotton swabs or old banana peels. We're not wading through your refuse while it oozes and congeals. And why is that? Cause we're on strike! I have 
no idea. Every time I hear a strike is happening, yeah. that song, that <laughs> song comes. Strike. That song comes into. I my mean, head. this is the '90s, and I think the '90s were the last gasp of the union still having power. Mm-hmm. And we see on Talking Simpsons episodes we watch of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of jokes about unions having too much power, yeah. especially at this point where they could interfere with your life. Don't you're, go mad with power. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, your garbage. The Japanese will eat us alive. Your garbage <laughs> service could go away. Your postal service could go away. Your UPS service could go away, and that was annoying to the average person. But mm-hmm. it's designed to interfere with your life to it call is. attention to the problem. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's designed. It's designed to hamstring the company. Yeah, and, yeah. And make them realize the importance of the workers. And, I I remember that Rocco episode. That was. It was a musical, though, wasn't it? It was like, Garbage Strike the Musical. Was, I believe yeah. Heifer has a small line right after this. The book was better. Thank uh, you, Heifer. Um, but great. but I, it leads me to into our pop culture strike discussions because this sure. is a big one. Uh, the strike at the Disney Studios in 1941. Oh, yeah. I, I encourage everybody to check out Walton El El El, Guapo, El Grupo, um, the PBS two-part oh, documentary yeah, yeah. series, because this. This had ramifications of a uh, for someone like me who loves cartoons like that. I, I don't know if any other strike is going to have this big of an impact, and yeah. I don't know that much about it. But a brief overview of of, how, of the perception of things: mm-hmm. uh, eight hundred animators slightly involved, over three hundred walkouts uh, took place. Over it was a long time. Well, I read up a little about this mm-hmm. too. That it was this feeling that Walt Disney had, like so many entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. Walt Disney who was an amazing entrepreneur, mm-hmm. like he. He started from nothing with just yep. small cartoons and a small group of people yeah. and had built it into a feature animation factory. Yeah. So then when they get to 1940 and 41 and these guys are making what they made before mm-hmm. while Walt is making a whole lot more money and they're asked, they're being asked to still work crazy hours to finish Fantasia yeah, yeah. or to finish Pinocchio. And I'll be, I'll be a Walt Disney defender forever, but it, mm-hmm. the, the perspective of the animators... Mm-hmm. Was that Snow White made four times as much money as any movie in history? Mm-hmm. Because it did, <laughs> yeah, uh, be, it, it did. It, but around nineteen, and that that did not spread out to the workers specifically. But if you look at the studio he then built, he, it's weird and it's not great. He's like, well. How about if I build a, a gym and a, and a barber shop and a shoe shiner? <laughs> so you'll never have to leave this. Studio. So he, it like he built, he, he funneled the Steve money. Jobs, man. He funneled, yeah, he funneled the money into a campus where people would never have to leave, and, and all accommodations were taken. I'll care pay of. you in company script. <laughs> and so, so, and, and, and he started the company with a bunch of his friends. And I think the way the PBS documentary describes it, like it, the company had just been around long enough to where like not everybody came up with you. Hmm. Not every, some people are literally the offspring of people you originally yeah. worked with. They're, they're not all f- your friends and, and they don't see the benefits of working here anymore. And the, the, the success of the company doesn't seem to be going to them. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, Walt Disney's like, there's a war going on yes. and I can't distribute my shit overseas. The company is about to make a fuckload less than the, it's the ever made before. The were really hard for Disney, uh, the company. Like, they made less stuff. They made movies that were 40 minutes yeah. long. Yes. And weren't yeah. they all propaganda? Yeah, like, they, well, uh, the, gov- the government mandated, took over the company, and ended up making propaganda. And that's how the company stayed afloat. That's how Orson Welles ruined his life, Is making it? a government propaganda mm. film about Brazil that he never finished, I don't yeah. think. He yeah. just went to Brazil and partied for, like, eight <laughs> weeks. No, the interesting thing with the 41 strike, mm-hmm. the interesting thing with the 41 strike also mm. is that all the guys the animators were making the picket signs so they had it's these amazing beautiful. picket signs yeah, it's beautiful I've like, like scowling Mickey Walt's, Walt is unjust to the worker <laughs> oh. uh, and so many and so many artists didn't go back and they went to UPA or they, they went sh- to they Warner they formed UPA Frank yeah, Tashlin yeah. left to go pioneer Looney Tunes and then later Jerry Lewis movies um mm-hmm. 
Uh, Maurice Noble, who did, who did the art direction on like What's Opera Doc, yeah. uh, left the studio. Walt Kelly, creator of Pogo. <laughs> yeah, Bill Melendez, yeah. the creator of the animated Peanut Snoopy. Uh, you wouldn't Empire. have Snoopy cartoons without that. He is without the, the Snoopy. I have a clip of him actually. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So from then on, every time Walt went through the line, we made life miserable for him. You know, we would holler at him and now and he and he saw us. See, they took pictures of all of us. And whereas I had considered myself a good friend of Walt before, I could see that he took a dislike to me when he saw me, you know, jumping around and, and I don't blame him. The difference was this. Later on when I met other producers, for example, Leon Schlesinger, we struck him. And you know what? We had a lot of fun and, and, and cusses at each other. <laughs> but as soon as the strike was over, we became friends again. Not with Walt. Yeah, Schlesinger yeah. The, the, had had already signed a deal with the the workers, whereas mm -hmm. Walt propped up a fake fake union and like it, yeah. and wouldn't uh, accept the animators guild. And and just to to end my Walt Disney apologist tour, <laughs> it, uh, because they're all commies. He he thought he was doing the right thing by funneling money back into the company and making everyone's lives better within the company because he worked all day and night and weekends, yeah, and yeah. he just assumed everybody else loved doing that too. Uh, and after this happened, created genuine anger. Towards his workers, he became fiercely anti-union mm -hmm. and got involved with a lot of anti-communist cause. And the sole basis for Walt Disney being anti-Semitic yeah, is that's... the organizations he he, he made. I don't, it's pretty positive, sure, hundred percent he was not, but he hated the idea of union so much he got involved with a lot of yeah. anti-communist leagues who were very anti-Semitic. Very anti <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the reasons unions were uh, slandered mm -hmm. were for uh, you know associating them with communists Communism. or Jewish people mm -hmm. or any hated group. Basically, they're trying to undermine America by organizing. Yeah. You know, which they're is... not white. <laughs> yes. He was he was so hell bent on preventing unions. He definitely put himself in league with terrible people and put himself mm -hmm. on the wrong side of history. Yeah, that, yeah, that's very much true. And some of the only remnants of it is because I think they described like the waning days like he waited for the arbitration to be over and just started like firing people like wow. alright if wages are going up then people are going away and it's going to be the ones who fought the hardest mm -hmm. uh, so he a lot of people got fired and the sequence and the silhouette in Dumbo where the clowns are arguing those are all the, the oh, Disney whoa. Strikers, a reference to the Disney Strikers Interesting. but it, here's what it did do uh, overnight it doubled salaries um, a guild was formed, and perhaps most importantly, in terms of pop culture, screen credits. Walt Disney was denying people screen oh, credits. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was that because like, of headhunting, probably. I'm guessing. Yeah, 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 stuff like like. But just why does your why would your name be need to be on here? What? Like, yeah, I, I made this cartoon. I paid yeah. for it, but like people started getting credited finally. And if you, I love old cartoons, and it's it is baffling that you can have a studio of 800 people start a movie with. 20 people credited <laughs> and then end it with no credits yeah yeah uh is pretty insane and but that's that's the way it was and this helped get people finally credit for their work on film how about we take a quick quick break and we'll be talking about comics wrestling and of course uh the 2007 strike be back in a sec Alert. Put the VCR on pause. Ah! There's a little bit of video game talk in here. It's it's fair to say many of you play games. Well, uh, we have a great way to save a shitload of money 
and play a lot more games. And that is none other than Gamefly. And you listeners can go to GameflyOffer.com slash LazerTime and get not only a free 30-day trial, but within those 30 days, play as many of the games as you want, or you can ship, because you know how Gamefly works. You should know by now. It's like Netflix. You make a queue of the games you want. Gamefly will send you out those games with another envelope so you can send them back when you're whenever you're finished. Keep them out as long as you want. Send them back when you want something else. And guess what? If you want to buy back those games, Gamefly will sell the games back to you if you've been enjoying it for long enough and send you the box and manual as if you bought it anywhere else. But there's a lot of great games out right now. Persona 5, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Prey. I happen to love Injustice uh, last week. All those games together are going to cost you about, I think about $200 including tax, but why not try them out for free? That's with an asterisk if you're trying out Gamefly. Plans start at uh, at around 10 bucks a month. But even when you add up that cost, that's sort of like paying for two games a year, yet playing as many of them as you want. Uh, so if that interests you, and you live in the United States and Canada, why not check out Gamefly and go to GameflyOffer.com slash LazerTime and get started with your free 30-day trial. like laser time shows then you might like bonus time laser time's weekly bonus show exclusively on patreon.com slash laser time here's a taste of what you've been missing just that i wanted to mention because this keeps happening i don't want to say turner classic movies <laughs> is listening to talking simpsons <laughs> we didn't get every reference they're tossing out there and mm. we did uh boy scouts in the hood with a uh, guest oh, star yeah. Ernest Borgnine, and hmm. and I think Henry and Bob sort of tackled Henry sort of tackled that because he knew a lot about Ernest Borgnine. Lord knows I did not. I don't <laughs> know a fucking thing about Ernest Borgnine, but I knew he was in a movie, a movie called Marty. One, I didn't know that movie existed. Two, I didn't know it won Best Picture that year, and it won hmm. Ernest Borgnine Best Actor. He oh, like where yeah, he rose yeah. from character actor, uh, Oscar nominated leading man. Borgnine is an Italian, so there's a lot of offensive Italian accents in it. Oh, why you know married? You you should be bigger than shame of yourself. <laughs> that people just outwardly like are referring to everyone as as, as Ernest Borgnine and this other woman like you're ugly as fuck and no one wants you and you'll never meet anybody. Yeah, I'm a little bit a little fat and I'm ugly. Like yeah, you're fat and ugly. When has that ever stopped a man before? But don't go for <laughs> these dogs out there. And they in this this it's this nice story of these two <laughs> unfuckable ugly leading people who end up falling for one another and the slight dilemma is is like well my friends seem to think my mate is ugly <laughs> get bonus time laser times weekly full-length uncensored and ad-free patreon exclusive podcasts as well as full-length movie commentaries wrestling and cartoon video commentaries the first season of talking simpson and more at patreon.com slash laser time starting at just five bucks you'll help us live and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again Laser Time, second segment. All Let's go. So we'll march day and night by the big cooling tower. They have the plant, but we have the power. Now do classical gas. Coming in with, uh, they have the plant, <laughs> but we have the power. Um, <laughs> well, famous song about a strike. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned Walt Disney, mm -hmm. and 
I once heard the late, not so great, Ultimate Warrior call Vince McMahon the Walt Disney of pro wrestling. Yeah, he called him that, and he's just as obsessed and dedicated. He and is an insane workaholic. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. don't know this about Vince McMahon, and just maybe even only remember him as the character on TV. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon is. He is a person who inherited his company, but he also thinks of himself as a hard scrabble white trash guy because he grew up in an abusive trailer park. Mm-hmm. And then he when he inherited the company almost fifty years ago. Uh-huh. Like he started in the seventies. I thought he had to buy it. He had to buy it back from his he own. He bought father. it from his yeah. dad, but he worked for the company mm-hmm. and then bought it from his dad in the early late seventies, early eighties. And against his witches, mm-hmm. like moved towards television and well, changed the business. So what he did was he, he worked in a territorial group that mm-hmm. was just New York and in, in the tri state area mm-hmm. with the handshake agreement with the other businessmen to be like no i don't promote in chicago Mm -hmm. that's that guy's territory i don't go to florida that's that guy's territory and we all share in it Mm -hmm. and then vince had the idea of like no i should have everything and i can be (laughs) the best one for national stuff and he vince is an in did work harder than everybody else he was against and that's probably part of it i mean right no no i mean even now like there's there's just, there's just stories of like Vince yeah. will be the last one out of his own office and he like hates sleep doesn't <laughs> consume any pop culture he just watch he just is about wrestling yeah. WWE and you need look no further than the upcoming pay per view Great, Great Balls, Balls of, of Fire, Fire. <laughs> named by a seventy year old man that's a new <laughs> song right yeah. yes and he, goodness and, gracious Bob and also he is good friends with Trump and there's a very mm-hmm. similar thing there that mm-hmm. they are both low class billionaires who who <laughs> hate who hate high society New for money. rejecting them. Yeah. Yeah. And they he tried to buy his way into high society. Nobody respects him. So he's like, mm-hmm. then fuck you. I'm gonna be in charge. I'll make you respect me. I'll yeah. be that big. And he he his character on TV, he says he isn't that guy, but he is. He's a dick swinging jerk who's just like who <laughs> yeah. who bullies everybody. Mm-hmm. And part of that too is that he hates organized labor mm-hmm. so much. It is honestly a crime. A crime <laughs> yeah. that how WWE runs its business. That yeah. in 2017, every pro wrestler is an independent contractor, yep. which means they pay their social security, they pay taxes in every state they wrestle in, mm-hmm. which is every state. <laughs> <laughs> They collect their own uh, money. I stay out of Hawaii in Alaska. <laughs> and no health care. No health All those things. And they're called independent contractors, even <laughs> though they could not wrestle anywhere else. They yeah. have a no-compete clause. Those two things they don't have a no-compete clause. And there's just there's not a rival company anymore. No, yeah. there This really is isn't. it. This is the end of the road if you're a wrestler to, to WWE. similar WWE money of a mid-level WWE yeah. guy, mm-hmm. you have to wrestle everywhere and in every continent, mm-hmm. and you just might make that. That independent yeah. contractor thing, though, it just seems like the newest corporate scam where I've worked yeah. plenty of jobs where it's like you come to the office every day for eight hours you have the same job as everyone else but you're not a real employee so yeah, we yeah. give you nothing yeah and well IGN. And, good day sir <laughs> but but this independent contractor thing it, it flared up recently when mm-hmm. CM Punk quit the mm-hmm. company and they actually like paid he was saying I won't do this you can't make me not go to the UFC mm-hmm. because I'm an independent contractor yeah. and you want to try to challenge me on this no compete clause mm-hmm. then let's go to let's go to the let's t- do a lawsuit and see who wins mm-hmm. and if WWE lost that, it would destroy their entire business. So mm. instead, they paid CM Punk a whole lot of money to go away. Mm. And that's kind of WWE's thing in general of just saying, okay, we'll just pay a big thing to this one person rather, rather than pay a lot to everybody and mm. lose all this money. But... But we're seeing, we're seeing. I just, I know there was some call to arms for like streamers to organize yeah. and unionize because they are literally not protected and at the whim 
and wishes of mm-hmm. companies they don't actually really speak to. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and, and kind, kind of along the same lines as like Uber and Lyft drivers yeah. now, like. They, they're, they're not, not employees. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're just contractors. They're not employees. And and, and someone uh, we were talking about the uh, voice actors. Hmm. The voice. Yes. A- they are on strike. They are as- still at the time of recording. They are still on strike for but- video games specifically because video games voice actors do not get paid shit. Tend to record more. Way more. Do way more, and they're doing full motion capture yeah. in some cases. In some too. They're cases. not just doing voices. No but, residuals. No. But it, we're seeing little sign of it yet because. They would the stuff they are not recording now are games yeah. you're playing two or three years. Yeah. Like so you're not seeing the results yet. But yeah. but back to wrestling. Yes, yeah. sorry. There has never been a true wrestling strike. There actually was a plot line yeah, on a it couple episode. times. They've which done- is insane that Vince not only That's- doesn't doesn't want wrestlers to unionize, but will make storylines about how dumb it is that you know it make the audience the really hate these guys that, that, if they unionize against their beloved which boss. Which is insane because <laughs> like you think of like uh, the the most uh, popular strikes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's not the right word for a boy. Like, but strikes <laughs> at work are ones where it's like nobody else can do this job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm. wrestling is the most prime example. You mm. cannot like if it is John, such a specialized skill. Yeah, if mm. John Cena and Randy Orton say I'm not wrestling next yeah. week, you can't put a replacement Cena and Orton out. You can't get replacing wrestlers. It's your new favorite people, wrestler, yeah, Mr. Black. Yeah, people mm. won't care. Mm. So it's insane that, that, that it never really took off. And there was attempts in like the 80s to unionize. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so I have a clip for that explaining it. It was actually... Say what you will about crazy conspiracy theorist Jesse Ventura. Jesse, everybody does. Everybody <laughs> says everything about me. That's why I live in an adobe shed. We need the lizard men to unionize. Yes. But he was. I built way- my house out of a tinfoil hat. <laughs> but he was always a more political dude in the wrestling sphere, and he was thinking about unions in the 80s when mm-hmm. he was seeing the explosion of money that was the popularization of WWF. Mm-hmm. He was seeing all these other people make money. But him saying, like, hey, us, the boys in the locker room who are killing ourselves to do yeah. this, we're not making that money. Yeah. And he even says, like, like say, th- say what you will about the NFL and that mm-hmm. CTE controversy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's still a pension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's still healthcare involved for sac- yeah. literally giving you are giving away your body mm-hmm. for four or five years so, in a way that'll never work again. And wrestlers do that constantly. Yeah. Uh, so I have this very long clip that I, I've truncated a bit, but it was Jesse Ventura get told a uh, version of the, his history of that, of trying to unionize in the 80s to Stone Cold Steve Austin on his podcast. And mm. short version is, is right before WrestleMania 2, and then he tells everyone, he's about to leave to film Predator. Mm-hmm. And, and he's telling them like, guys, we could strike. Everybody else, yeah, yeah. do you know these guys who build the ring here, who set up the lights? They're in a union. Why aren't we? Mm. We should be doing this. Right before WrestleMania 2, we should all just talk to the media and say there's no WrestleMania 2 without all of us. Mm. And then he gets fired the next day by Vince. And but he was going off to film Predator, and then he just comes back that is, that anyway. Because like in situations we'll see when talent <laughs> goes on strike, mm-hmm. it's the behind the scenes worker who get hurt, hurt the most mm-hmm. because they're yeah. the ones that who aren't well compensated. Yeah, like it when is, the Ann Ryder yeah. strike, that was one of the arguments people use. Like, well, you're also the cameraman are going to suffer, and they're oh, well, going to we'll, suffer. We'll talk yeah. about well, yeah. that in but, a second. But so. He then, when he comes back, he just says, "You know what? I'm in. I'm in a union now of SAG, and if these wrestlers don't care about their union, then I can't do anything." <laughs> but so then he wants to find out who ratted him out. And when I sued Vince, we had to depose him. And on the way out, I told my lawyer the story. And in deposition, you can bring up anything. And I said, "If you can, David, find out who ratted me." 
I said, find out who ratted me that day because it was one of the boys because there were no agents there. And so we got in there, Vince, and my attorney was great. He says, Mr. McMahon, he said, has there ever been a union in wrestling? Vince, no. Anyone ever try to form one? Vince sat a minute. He says, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I think Jesse Ventura spouted his mouth off about it once years ago. And my attorney goes, well, how do you know that? Did you hear him? No. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you know he spouted his mouth? He didn't even hesitate. Hulk Hogan told me. Oh, oh. I was sitting in the chair and at a deposition. You didn't, you didn't sell it. Well, at, at a deposition, <laughs> you can't talk. Right. Oh, you hell gotta- yeah. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. By the way, uh, Retronauts ads are now on the Steve Austin podcast, so <laughs> tell him you want more, hell yeah. Uh, and and his uh, Jesse Ventura summed it up perfectly why Hogan did it. He said he looked at the money that Hulk Hogan made yeah. at WrestleMania 3. This is just WrestleMania 3. He said the Hulk Hogan's WrestleMania 3 payoff was more than every other wrestlers on the show combined. Yeah. Wow. And that included Andre the Giant, who was the star that gave him the rub there. So if you're Hulk Hogan, why would you want to share that money with I, all these guys? I think that like when you talk about unionizing wrestlers and getting someone like John Cena aboard, John mm-hmm. Cena is compensated in such a way that he doesn't have no. to sympathize no. with wrestlers who need to unionize. Mm-hmm. Nope. So strange. But you don't want to hear what Hulk Hogan had to say about unions on his fuck tape. Yes, it's all... <laughs> you only heard part of the fuck tape. Yeah. Like, some savage stuff about organ... Some, some uh, demonstrations. But I, I sent you a few uh, more clips related to WWE. Did you? Uh, one is actually when uh, WWE did a storyline where the referees uh, went on strike. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and they were doing it, and in every every case that, that the WWE does it, they never bring up like, oh, we're get like we're in constant pain, we need health care, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> no, we want we want fair that. wages. It's always like there's too much interference in the matches. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you click it, on the referee it, strike, yeah. it was when the refs were getting beat up in every match. Yes. Almost <laughs> it was it was not a bad story. Yeah. A huge story has developed as we kick off SmackDown from Las Vegas. WWF referees have gone on strike over unsafe working conditions following what happened on Raw this past Monday night. We ain't taking it no more. How will this strike affect the matches on SmackDown tonight? Gonna have to find more incompetent <laughs> there guys There will be no SmackDown shirts. tonight. <laughs> no, they, but they would literally just have old wrestlers be the referee oh, for wow. like a couple of weeks. And wow. Like, uh, that was fun. It's yeah, fun, but it's a good segue into sports because I don't, oh, actually I have a clip that relates to that. Really? Because in in 1994, I'm sure we'll get to uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. There was a baseball strike. Yeah, and WWE, for one thing, hating uh, unions, but also uh, wanting to you know strike while the iron's hot and tell everybody that hey, we're on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they made a commercial oh about God. the strike, and you know what's the the, the weirdest thing is it's in 1994 mm-hmm. when WWE is about to become the shittiest it's ever been because like 94 is, to 97 are the worst yeah. years of WWE ever because this is like right after Hogan left. There's a, like one of the guys in the commercial is about to leave, and it's like. Uh, I would rather watch no baseball than <laughs> WWE in 1995 because it was really the drizzling shits. I gotta hear this. What a class! Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in modern history, there will be no World Series this year. Kid walking on the baseball field and in an era there. where promises are often Empty broken. In the baseball field with a sad kid. <gasps> Macho man! Let's hit a few. The <laughs> Federation and its superstars still believe in making dreams come Fuck true. You. 
the World Wrestling Federation. Man. Our season never ends. Hold on. Guys ever going strike? No, we never. We're not allowed to, brother. <laughs> also, we, we don't even have an off-season, unlike yeah. baseball. We just work till we die. We work till we're screwed. That's it. Literally shits over the idea of baseball players trying to you know yeah, yeah commercial. Yeah. I mean, it's, I didn't watch baseball, but I love this strike because baseball stopped preempting programming yeah, for like a glorious was, three oh, or four months. Finally, watch King of the Hill at seven thirty. <laughs> but well, not nineteen ninety four. But the only yeah. thing I remember, the thing I remember most distinctively, because I wasn't watching baseball. Don't give a fuck about baseball. It is the first and only time I ever remember watching Comedy Central, wow. and they interrupted. Yeah. They they had a ticker at the bottom to let you know breaking news. Wow. And they made a jo- they made a joke in the ticker, yeah. but it was over like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Like it was it was over regularly scheduled programming. Comedy yeah. Central announced it was that big a deal because it was it like really was. they 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 fought to prevent it for. It would seem like weeks. They really baseball did. strike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it went on for I think over like two hundred days. Mm-hmm. So it started in August of 1994, in the mm. middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the base it's start, it starting to ramp shit. up. You start you're about to September and the end of like pennant chases. And 1994 was like an amazing year for baseball. Like mm-hmm. certain things happened that there were baseball players who were like really gunning for the home run record at the time. Roger Maris's mm-hmm. single season home run record. I think the record for most triples in a season was being approached. Mm-hmm. The uh, Montreal Expos, who never really made, I think they made the playoffs once before. Mm-hmm. They were in first place at the time of Holy the strike. Uh, oh and they don't even exist anymore. No, and <laughs> and that they're they're all their all everything they did that year just basically got wiped out because mm-hmm. yeah the the players striked. They wanted to to avoid uh, what was it collective bargaining mm-hmm. and basically teams wanted to institute institute salary caps so mm-hmm. players basically their wages would have to be you know limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean in the case of like baseball, it's mm-hmm. kind of like. I don't think either either side came out looking good on this because mm-hmm. it's like, well, owners are making billions, players are making millions. Yeah. Uh, the fans but, pay $23 for a beer. It's, yeah. it's harder to care for millionaires wanting more money. It <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. But, but I still, even on those things, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm still on the worker's side and, of and this stuff. It like, especially became like... Uh, that was it was very visible when the the owners at the start of the next season. So the World Series in 1994 never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's insane. Yeah, and never there, happened. There, there was, was a World Series baseball video game in 1994. <laughs> yeah. but no World Series. It's I mean, like, there were probably games like within two weeks of 9/11. Yeah, there was there was like <laughs> there was. A, a great Sports Illustrated issue that happened right after they canceled the season. That basically was like. A what if issue of Sports Illustrated that's like <laughs> here's what we think would what would have happened. Sort of baseball fanfic republic. It, it was amazing. Like I I was 13 years old and was like this is like the most engrossing oh, thing because it was like oh this this guy he broke the record for most home runs in a season wow. and the Expos made the World Series and all these amazing things that never happened before and will never happen again happened this season. I recall a lot of uh, sitcoms and SNL sketches making jokes about how baseball players are the laziest, fattest athletes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just because they didn't like the strike. They wanted more I baseball. Mean, I mean, baseball players are more specialized. Yeah. I, I watched this great documentary. <laughs> That's how I remember Barry Bonds <laughs> when I paid attention to baseball and then I didn't hear about him until years later till the juicing controversy. He became like, a monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How is this unclear to anyone? What potion did he drink? You can't age know. ten years and get thick and get swollen. Yeah. But, but I do think the '94 strike caused 
kids of our generation yeah. do mm-hmm. like baseball less because they're like, ah, I guess no baseball. Dude, a year without yeah. baseball, that's yeah, that's not a nece- that's like a, a fraction of a generation that didn't get introduced mm-hmm. to baseball. And I, it felt like the the excitement only really came back when um, we could all pretend steroids weren't real, and it was just <laughs> cool that Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were chasing the home run record. Yeah. I, I think I was busy playing Earthworm Jim and watching Duckman <laughs> during this time period, but, so I was fine. Yeah, well, where I think what you know finally ended the strike is. The beginning of the next season, mm-hmm. the owners uh, almost unanimously they they decided we're going to bring on replacement players. Mm. And oh yeah, yeah, and as they're called, worked out horribly because <laughs> I, I don't know if they I don't think they actually played any games. I think they just did spring training mm-hmm. with the scab players. And it's like I don't want to see this guy who like retired three years ago and is way past his prime, or this minor leaguer who never really had a shot in the majors. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see these people. These aren't the Mets. These aren't the guy. This isn't you know Doc Good and Daryl Strawberry. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the Mets at the time, but mm-hmm. those aren't the players that I associate with the Mets. These are just people wearing the uniform of a team that I root for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at the beginning of uh, the 1995 season, they finally you know. You know, solve things. But even that season wasn't a full season. It was mm-hmm. 100 and I think 44 games uh, as opposed to 162. So, like, even that season, it's like, oh, well, you know, I, th- I like the records aren't going to be broken because it's a shorter season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it eventually did all get solved. And I, there hasn't been, there's been a lockout, I believe, in baseball, mm-hmm. but, you know, no strikes since. I, I uh, can't think of a major sports strike that's occurred since. Yeah. I mean, hockey, I thought, got close there's, to There's it, lockouts yeah. where yeah. the, where that, where that, and that's the opposite where the, the, the owners lock players out. <laughs> you want to go on strike? I'll go on strike. Well, it's, yeah. It's instances where the owners think, like, well, we can't give you any, like, we can't give you what you want. Mm-hmm. So, bye. No, don't even play. Uh, uh. But I, I, like, that worked out because the players in 1994 were steadfast and not, you know, jumping the picket line. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, like, some players that did, uh, you know, play as scabs, mm-hmm. they eventually made teams, but they're not a part of the, um, oh. the, the baseball union. So, like, you won't see some baseball players in baseball video games because huh. they, 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 Jump to the line in, in 1995. Wow. If they're out of the union, they yeah. did anything remarkable. They might not be in the Hall yeah. of Fame as a well, result of not well, being a real baseball I, I player. I find it. I also like like even though it's a little bit contradictory. And I said like those weren't the Mets. Mm-hmm. It's I find it difficult to be angry at yeah. scab baseball players because it's like if, if you have a chance to like live your dream. Yeah. It's a, get, it's a really I, weird line. I do to get that, walk. but it also is. It's different like, from just working a job. Yeah, it's, but if, yeah, if you're like a yeah. minor league baseball player making like 200 yeah. bucks a week, yeah, and you suddenly get the chance to make like. You get to realize that, a lifelong goal. Yeah. That yeah, is strange. But, but those guys are stealing money from themselves yeah. by doing that. Like yeah. they're hurting. They're hurting a whole cause by, by weakening a union. It's yeah, a double edged sword. And I will never go to a baseball game ever again but i will go to any minor league game with all you can drink all you, fun. went to one in milwaukee mm-hmm. no madison all you can drink all you can eat thirty dollars that's Holy the point shit. of baseball it was so great every inning was interrupted by like a sumo contest yeah. or a water balloon firing range the oh. greatest thing i've ever seen but if, if you want to hear about people jumping the picket line mm-hmm. oh actually i have a clip of the um the announcement of the uh oh. the, the season being canceled 
Here is Bob Costas. And the other shoe has finally dropped in the ongoing baseball wars. The acting commissioner, Bud Selig, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, has just made it official. The remainder of the regular season and the entire postseason playoffs and World Series have officially been canceled. This news release... It's oh, a black man. day for baseball. Oh, and just because well, we'll get into well, that. Bob Costas is a baseball dork. You know yeah. he's so sad. Yeah, like, we'll get into that. We'll probably get into that in another show. But, like, at this time, for, mm-hmm. like, the first 30 years of cable, it was majority comprised of mm-hmm. sports. Yeah. And mm-hmm. every baseball team plays 80 games a yeah, year. Yeah, it's 162. That is a... Sh- <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Do you, ma- do you know how much airtime was lost? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. On television, yeah. Holy shit. While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile, we're talking softball. From Maine to San Diego, talking softball. Manningly and Conseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw. This episode of Laser Time is also brought to you by Quip. Simple, elegant, electronic toothbrushes. And you can go to tryquip.com slash laser time and see how you can save $10 on refills or replacement brush heads. There's a stupid amount of money spent on gimmicks in the oral hygiene area trying to sell you gimmicks, but the team at Quip have sought out the guidance of oral care professionals so the brushes, from the handle design to the vibrations on the brush heads, focus on health over hype. I am a complete electronic toothbrush convert. Uh, I got an awesome cleaning last year, and my teeth have felt like I've emerged from that dental cleaning ever since due to using an electric toothbrush. And uh, Quip offers metal or plastic handles, easy-to-use wall-mounted holders, travel cases, toothpaste, plus you can create plans that'll send you replacement brush heads when you need them. No more guesswork if you're like me. I never remember to buy replacement anything uh, until my gums are bleeding in the cases with my toothbrush. It's a terrible thing to put in a a plug for (laughs) an electronic toothbrush, but hey, you can rest easy knowing your worn-out bristles will be replaced on time every three months or whenever you see fit. Electronic brushes start at just 25 bucks, and refill plans begin at 5 bucks. And remember, you listeners can go to tryquip.com slash laser time and get a free $10 refill, including brush heads and Quip's own toothpaste. Thank you folks so much for listening there's only one important thing i need you to hear we are watching the chipmunk adventure that's right all our glorious patrons on patreon.com slash laser time at the ten dollar level voted for the monday night movie this week we'll be watching it together at six o'clock pacific grab a copy for yourself at your from your dvd stores or your pirate bays and just come watch this intensely lovable little movie that's way better than it has any right to be or just laugh along with us, and I'll hopefully have a couple of uh, cartoon-loving friends watching it uh, with me, and hopefully that'll include you. And if you're a patron at patreon.com slash lasertime, you will receive an audio and video commentary for that at the $5 level, in addition to almost 100 more of exactly the same. Back to the Future trilogy, seven Star Wars movies, They Live, Ernest Goes to Jail. You can join us 
Watch all of those with us with our premium com commentaries or pick them up a la carte on lasertime.bandcamp.com. You know we stream stuff, right? YouTube.com slash lasertime or just check it on lasertimepodcast.com. What are we going to be streaming this week? Well, I'm going to tie two plugs in together. It'll be related to something uh, we talked about on 302010 this week. This week on 302010, we're talking Ernest Goes to Camp, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Jurassic Park The Lost World, and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. What if we stream a game related to one or two of those? It might happen. You should tune in. You should watch us on Twitch well, Tuesday and Wednesday at 3 p.m. It'll be fun, I assure you. Or check it out on YouTube.com slash LazerTime. Also, Talking Simpsons this week has a very special guest. One Diana Goodman is talking with us about not only Malibu Stacy. But Jessica Rabbit. What do I mean? You Simpsons people probably already know. But this Wednesday, a uh, very special episode of Talking Simpsons. Oh, and uh, on Friday, Video Game Apocalypse, Michael is bringing us back to the games of arcades um, with a top five with this very special edition of Video Game Apocalypse. We hope you'll be there to join us and listen. And remember, if you like, if you like all those shows as much as I like making them, we have one more show, bonus time, which is uh, exclusive to our patrons at Patreon.com/LaserTime. Thank everybody. I want to thank everybody so much for supporting us. Anybody who might decide to do so, we encourage you that if you have the means, it would help us out a lot. The more support we get from people, the bigger we get to grow and the longer we get to survive. So thank you so much for uh, allowing us to keep doing this for the last few years. And without further ado, back to the leftist propaganda. But let's 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 cool it. Let's bring the non-sports people oh. back. Because remember, there's people who hate fucking sports and wrestling. <laughs> let's let's do an interlude with the the other clips that you brought. Because I don't even know what these are. Uh, well, if you want to get to like fictional strikes, yes. so we're moving on to just real quick a brief uh, interlude. Saved by the Bell had a teachers' <laughs> strike episode. Oh uh, Did they? Let me hear that clip. Okay, Belding, show your face. That's Mr. Tuttle, driver's ed teacher. Something wrong? Have you told the teachers how I feel about them? Oh yes, and our response is unanimous. We, we strike. They strike, and we go skiing. So Zach's gonna go on his school-sponsored fuck trip. Yes. yes. What I don't understand is they cannot afford to organize hire... pause. <laughs> they uh, they cannot afford to hire one adult actor per episode, more than one. How did they get all these adult actors together to there have these striking? Three, there were three teachers. Three teachers, in all man. The strike scenes. That one broke the budget. I think it's yeah. like okay, we got to cut this back by like two episodes this season. Yeah. Next episode, what's... they only are in the max. What's, what's the follow-up clip? <laughs> That's actually not a follow-up, really. Oh. But just because Bob's here, yeah, yeah, I captured yeah. a clip where they say Bob Mackey on. Um, <laughs> Zach! Zach! You've got to see these new costumes I've just designed for the group. Look! Hey, Lisa, these are great! Hey, Oh. Thanks. Oh, very cute, Lisa, but we've already asked Bob Mackey to design some costumes. And I said Bob no! Mackie. Wow, he designed Cher's outfits. We're in the big time now, Lisa. <laughs> 
You understand, don't okay. you? Bob so Servo get, on Twitter. We'll get around to talking Saved by the Bell. That's, that's <laughs> why, why do these high school students have intimate knowledge of Bob Mackie? I'm never positive Bob Mackie is a real person other than you. <laughs> no, no, uh, he's real. Occasional references. I would guess Zach being a preppy, he'd know about <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, like, if, a, if A.C. Slater knew about it, I'd be like, that's, that's bad wow. writing. Like, he like, does shares outfits. Neat. Yeah, the whole, whole thing with the teacher strike episode is that uh, Slater and Zach, they want they have a skiing trip that they want to go on, but it's in their school stupid schools interrupting it. Mm-hmm. So they basically like fudge a recording. They ask like Belding, like, what do you think about the opposing football team? And then he says, We're gonna crush them. And what do you think about the coach? He should be fired. And they basically change the tape. So it's like, what do you think about the union? I'll crush them. What do you think about the union leader? He should be fired. And that building, what an idiot! But then, because the strike interrupts the, uh, it's like the the quiz bowl dance. Oh, yeah, the I quiz was bowl. This close. Uh, <laughs> that, that that keeps uh, Lisa and Jesse and Screech from going to the quiz bowl. So they, uh, Zach fi- basically fixes the strike all by himself. <laughs> And gets everyone to go uh, win the quiz. Or I'm guessing the quiz bowl took place in the max because there are only three sets on that yeah. show. Maybe no, four. It might have been the auditorium, the okay. third set. <laughs> they did build they that really auditorium. Used the, in the Peach Pit? I don't oh, know. They had, lots of, they had more sets. It was the thing. smallest gym had, ever built. They also had a bedroom set. That, yeah. kinda, that's, that, that was everybody's bedroom. Everyone's bedroom. <laughs> yeah. So the moral right of the story is if you need someone to fix your strike, to solve your strike, mm-hmm. Zach Morse is the perfect yes. A rich white kid will finally do it. <laughs> uh, you know, I forgot to get links to this, but there I read this amazing book on a... 70s comedian strike that mm-hmm. happened. It, oh. the, the book is called I'm Dying Up Here. Oh. But it is about the comedy store and the yeah, Laugh Factory. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking and, about. And the forming of that and how the comedy store was built on you work for free. It's for exposure, as they would say in our business. <laughs> and but, cocaine. And so, but the, the, and it was run by Mitzi Shore, mother of garbage person Paul <laughs> Mama but, Weasel yes Mama Weasel so <laughs> she starts the gu- she starts the comedy store and she's getting the biggest stars of the 70s as the comedy boom is happening Paul Provenza wow <laughs> uh, Richard Pryor is there nightly like David Letterman Jay Leno mm-hmm. Tom, uh, like Jimmy J. Like, Walker, all these major people. Not Tom, like, yeah, Jimmy J. Walker. He's the, a um, big figure in this. He really was. He was huge. And the guy from uh, Chico and the Man who killed himself, Freddie, Freddie Prince, Prince. Yes. the father of Freddie Prince Jr. Mm-hmm. So it's getting huge. It's becoming a place where where casting happens. There, people who are going to put people on the Tonight Show go there to mm-hmm. find comedians, but they're still not getting paid any money. Mm-hmm. While meanwhile. Mitzi Shore is making a shitload of money on the place. And so the comedians, including Jay Leno, they do a walkout. They say, we will not work at the comedy store anymore until you pay us at least this much. They create a scale for it and they say, we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And the comedy store refuses. They they are getting picketed by famous comedians. Uh, So it's embarrassing for them. And actually, (laughs) if you want to know who a scab was, Michael Bender was a scab. He was a very young comedian in the seventies. Under rain over me? Yes, he, <laughs> and he was he was guilted as he tells it in the book. He was guilted by Mitzi Shore into doing it. She's like, "Please come on, come up." He crossed the picket line, and like from then on, he is dead to all those wow. other comedians. Like, there's a quote in there of of David Letterman saying, "Like, you know what? We've been friendly, but he he turned on us when we were striking, and he's dead to me." Like, so, yeah, it was. <laughs> And they eventually did get the comedy store to cave, and they got mm-hmm. they got paid for it. But 
it's an amazing book. It also focuses on Richard Lewis and one of his friends who mm-hmm. killed himself during the strike, mm-hmm. and and also on who everybody was fucking all the time. And Gallagher Gosh, strike fucking. <laughs> there's this hilarious story in oh, there where no. Gallagher told uh, Gallagher starts. They have the big meeting where they are going to decide to go strike or not. Mm-hmm. And he says, now, guys, before we do this, <laughs> let's just remember one word, compassion. <laughs> and then... Then he mid- banged the giant gavel and the meeting ended. <laughs> then he says... "Then So then when they decide they're going to go on strike, then he starts chanting, kill that bitch! Kill that, or no, actually, I think he said the C word. Wow. Bitch. Like, so... Gallagher was pretty crazy. Even you're in the, the first four rows of the picket line. You might get wet. <laughs> I think actually he was calling her a container of mayonnaise <laughs> that he's going to hit with the mallet. Well, speaking of comics, what about comic artists, Henry? Ah, uh, yes, comic. Uh, so there is no comic artist union either. Mm-hmm. But the closest thing to a union came from a major walkout that happened in 1992. Mm. Oh. Uh, well, it actually really began in 1991. So was it, how? Where were? The, what was the state of comics at this point? It the boom. Was was beginning and it was thanks to these guys so in case you don't know about comic books Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh you know they they had many peak years they were huge in during world war ii they were Mm -hmm. huge in the 60s and then they kind of had a dip in the 70s and into the 80s they were still going but it was a very staid business that was that was really just marvel and dc there were some Mm -hmm. independent publishers like out of san francisco that's how r crumb or Mm -hmm. even dave sim and cerebus got started in the 80s but there really was no independent thing. It was just Marvel and DC. And you weren't a superstar if you worked there. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man was a star. Batman yeah. was a star. And you were just the Batman artist. Then, in the late 80s, very late 80s, into the 90s, some very flashy artists started getting really big. And those flashy artists were Todd McFarlane mm-hmm. of Canada, who mm-hmm. started at DC and then immediately moved to Marvel and was the Spider-Man artist. He mm-hmm. revolutionized how people drew Spider-Man. If you look at a Spider-Man comic with how he was drawn from when Todd, for right before Todd started and see Todd, you're like, you can see why kids fell in love with it. Like, this is electric rock and roll Spider-Man yeah. who breaks all these rules of Spider-Man you didn't even know, which were just like, no, he has tons of spider webs everywhere. Mm-hmm. His eyes make crazy things. He gets in weird poses. <laughs> this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Rob Liefeld followed him with that with the same kind of, like, honestly bad, but very... <laughs> he is the Michael Bay of comics, as he's called <laughs> by some people. More and, pouches. <laughs> totally, but but it was... De- creator of Deadpool. Yeah, creator of Deadpool, right. Cable, mm-hmm. X-Force. And so he starts on X-Force, and he becomes super huge there. Jim Lee starts on X-Men. He is also doing bombastic things. And so the three of them at the core, they did three comics that sold more comics than any Marvel comic had ever sold, and it was them that did it. Mm -hmm. And they were still getting paid pretty crappy. They Mm. were being paid the same. And so I watched this great documentary last night called The Image Revolution. Mm about how Image Comics started. And Todd McFarlane was the rabble-rouser of them. The, uh, Jim Lee and, and Rob Liefeld and the other guys they would get to join them were these younger guys mm-hmm. who were just like, well, I guess it's a job. And then meanwhile, <laughs> Todd McFarlane's like, I sold them fucking 10 million Spider-Man comics. They can't even give me a fucking watch. My dad got a watch in the factory. They could just bought me a fucking plaque. <laughs> and so then, wow. and, and he's just telling all of them, we all are making the biggest comics here and people are coming for us. They are not coming for the characters. Mm-hmm. And so they get together, those three dudes, and then uh, four more artists, Jim Valentino, who's doing Guardians of the Galaxy at the time, Mark Silvestri, the other X-Men artist, mm-hmm. 
uh, Eric Larson, the other Spider-Man artist, and uh, and Wills Portacio, the other uh, another X-Men artist, mm. and they all say together, "We quit." Like they come together in Marvel. While Marvel is doing an auction to sell off their original art for millions of dollars, yeah. they they use that as like, well, I guess since we're all in New York together, Marvel, fuck you, uh-huh. we quit, you can't sell our comics anymore. And then they then go across the street to DC to tell them we just quit Marvel, and we're also not working for you, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> then, so then they start Image Comics, and yeah, it yeah. was independent publishing. They sold, in their first year, they sold with way fewer comics. They sold more comic books than DC as a company did. They couldn't wow. beat Marvel. And there was a saying within Marvel, I'd read about this, that they Marvel's feeling on that was their mistake was letting those artists become stars oh and, of course and so they're like we're not gonna let that happen again so they didn't promote artists as much and they didn't let them be as more visually flashy well the the know. renegade appeal of these comics really appealed to young bob because uh mm. this is the only era of american comics i'm familiar with or the only kind of american comics <laughs> the, the savage dragon years uh yeah because it's like <laughs> oh these guys are doing their own thing i'm 11 this seems cool i'll i'll, I'll take this and some manga i don't want these boring marvel dc yeah. cape yeah. guys and that's the only thing i ever read <laughs> since then was that, that's that what was notable comic, to me yeah. that was the the unrestricted content yeah it they, like. they had well they mentioned that too in the doc mm-hmm. that they kept wanting to make their comics bloodier and bloodier and they're like mm-hmm. well we have the comics code authority which has existed since the 50s and was useless it's a fucking handshake deal and <laughs> so then they so then they went to image and they're like we'll do whatever we feel like yeah. we don't have the comic spawn, code. spawn being they all had blood mm-hmm. and sex and violence and they were sexy and fun like yeah. if you're 11 10, year old it feels mature and, and the I, company's been around long enough that it's yeah. having I think it's biggest resurgence right now yeah. well so so the deal the very short version of it is each of them has their own separate company that mm-hmm. then is under image but they yeah. all own their own things and people left and came back like they had a drama the whole doc goes into it but the way it's become now mm-hmm. as reformatted by Jim Valentino who was the least popular of those artists of mm-hmm. the starting seven but now has been the image guy mm-hmm. he wanted to make it like no this is an independent studio for independent voices and now the the cycle Robert Kirkman yeah he became he is now one of an official grandfathered in founder of just like I, your I, founder wow. he's like a CEO and like yeah. he is skybound imprint is pretty yeah. much yeah exclusively publishes through Image. And that Image's feeling is that... Do you think this will come... But Walking Dead, I don't think anybody expected it to be this lucrative a franchise. I imagine there's some Image CEO, and I've met a bunch of them, they're all really nice people who are kicking the shit of themselves, who (laughs) want to get real litigious and see... Mm. But they do still have a a small ownership. They get a teeny taste of each Image. They publish those books, Mm -hmm. so when the uh, Walking Dead book gets sold, they get money. But you can't get screwed like, you know, DC... Mm -hmm. DC... No, Marvel historically is screwed over. It's, Marvel it's, fucks people more. DC also fucks people, in, but in the well, beginning, really fucked the cre- the yeah. Siegel and Schuster yeah. Superman creators. I mean, isn't I like the modern day Mar- Marvel movies mm-hmm. aren't like the original like comic creators who created the storylines that are being adapted into movies? I've I know that a lot of them are dead. They get no money. They, I, yeah, they are dead from treatable diseases in I, some cases. I think <laughs> they're given handshake money. But the, well, on, on paper, if you write a popular storyline that gets adapted into a movie from Marvel, you are not legally owed any money. Here's, here's a slight history on that. The DC and mm-hmm. Marvel had the same deal. In the 70s, thanks, let's give big thanks to Neil Adams, who was a superstar comic artist of the 70s. Mm. When Superman the movie got really popular, people were like, hey, let's find the two guys who created Superman. 
this mega movie. Oh, they're sleeping oh, in this alley. <laughs> yes, they are mere homeless and destitute. Yeah, one's in and, a home. And so everybody's giving DC rightful shit of like, these guys made you a billion dollar character. And so <laughs> and we gave them $500 in the 30s. <laughs> they gave them $120. <laughs> we gave them a box of cigars. But so from then on, DC basically chose to give them a pension. Yeah. Just like, look, we're, we're taking care of them. But... Then they made a deal with writers and artists at DC from then on that if you create a character for us mm-hmm. and then we put them in a movie or TV show or animation, you will get some money. You'll mm-hmm. get a tiny percentage of that, which is way better than what Marvel fucking does yeah. for you. And yeah. meanwhile, Marvel doesn't give any money to anybody. Jack Kirby is the most fucked over. Yeah. He had to work until his death. He did not have as good a deal yeah. as Stan Lee because Stan Lee was management. He was the writer, but also the editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. So... Guess who got a better deal from the corporation that he was helping run? Mm-hmm. He has to Lee. get child blood transfusions every week, I think. <laughs> but so get but, your insults in. I've got six weeks to go. <laughs> but but so that's why you'll then hear Marvel basically just get publicly shamed into giving money to people I that they don't have even to even see anything about it with Bill Manlow. Bill Manlow is the uh, Manlow is the most extreme example. Yeah. It, his his story is so sad that He's he was created he, the Guardians of the Galaxy then debilitated in a car accident. Not all the Guardians of the Galaxy, but Groot and Rocket Raccoon. And he was just a freelance comic writer, hit hit by a hit and run in 1992. They didn't find the person. His uh, insurance company says... Well, there's no way to rehabilitate him, so we... He needs put, constant care for the rest of he has, his life. He needs constant care, and we don't cover that. Go to fucking hell. <laughs> and his then brother had to take him in, sell off his brother, sell off Bill's entire comic book collection, and he is in a home and barely conscious of where he is. And then people are just like, so this Rocket Raccoon character that is now one of your most popular <laughs> characters that is making you so much money... The guy who ha- the guy who created him for you doesn't have health insurance. Yeah. Like he's dying. He can't even go to the movies to see this. So then Marvel guilted into doing it. They gave him the shit they should have given him in the first place. I just like, they did it again with Guardians too. They're like you know bring a news crew and yeah. they screen the movie for him and they like. And now it's all taken care of, and he's yeah. in a nice place for the and rest it, of his life. And they did that with Jim Starlin, too. Mm. To let His, his thing Thanos. is tragic, mm. but Jim Starlin created Thanos, and he gets to find out Thanos is in is in the teaser at the end of Avengers. Holy shit. After it's out. Holy uh. shit. And so then he is making a lot of bad press for them, talking mm. about this real truth. And so then all of a sudden, oh, uh, hey, Marvel bought my like three new series for me, and uh, they invited me to all these premieres. Marvel's pretty cool. Like mm. So it's... I mean, hey, let, I'm glad Jim Starlin's getting his. Like, that's yeah. good. But it's sad it even had to come to that. Like, the, the, these companies, like Todd McFarlane says in the thing, these companies could have done just so little to recognize yeah, them. It, and, and it would have been that easy. It's not... The profits that have come... From, I think because somebody had spread out how much Superman has made. This yeah, is but, multiple billions mm-hmm. of dollars. Mm-hmm. You could have given the two creators... Like what? You gave them zero point zero two percent, and they would have been set for life, and you never would have to deal with this again. That's just the American way. I mean, I think uh, I don't know five or six years ago, Papa John was like, I could raise the price of my pizzas by a dime and give people health insurance, but I will not do that. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> them. I could, Fuck could, all my workers. Cancel the garlic sauce. Yeah. And everybody gets health insurance. <laughs> I we mean, told you this is going to be lefty motherfuckers. In Don't, California, no you get a little thing on your bill sometimes that says, you know, health insurance for workers. Fine. It cool. Does. Here's $2. Yeah, Don't it, die. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's weird because I, I'm friendly with the guys in the pizza place downstairs. They wave that shit for oh, me. Oh, they, they, they wave. Oh, okay. but, uh, there's nice. a local tax that like, yeah. I'm in the neighborhood. 
Like this is my oh, na- I see. It's ah. San Francisco is as left as you could you, you'd ever believe. A lot of fucked up Provisionally, stuff. Provisionally, yeah. Sure, yes. Um. But uh, yeah, I guess the, now we can get into the the writer strike that I think most people remember living yeah. through. The uh, power light. If you're in your thirties, uh, like us, or younger. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I want to talk about something. Get out of the way first. Oh, uh, bad, South dude. Park did a fucking awful episode about this. That they was did? the most hypocritical yeah, thing I've did. ever seen South they Park did. do, and it made me stop watching the show. That was the last episode I watched. Mm. Where it was shortly, it was it aired shortly after Trey Parker and Matt Stone signed like a two hundred million dollar deal to put all the South Park episodes online. Yes, that happens, and then they make an episode saying there's no money on the internet for content. Hmm. What These if writers what they, yeah. striking to get money from the internet? They're now, being silly. That's, hmm. that's a great introduction to that. I wish I would remember that. I got a clip. I'm that. sorry, but I mean. And- that's what I associate most with this event, and just their horrible, their bad, bad, disingenuous take while they're making money hand over fist on the internet. I don't believe that they were yet. They but, had but, just signed a deal. Oh, they, well, they had, they had signed a deal to keep South, like the South Park Studios site, yeah. which is a surprise. Yeah. At the time when the internet was forming, was a surprisingly active site yeah. with like a team of people constantly updating you on South Park stuff and answering your questions. Before there was video online, South Park Studios had like, yeah, dude, we got clips here. Download this QuickTime <laughs> video. Watch uh-huh. it as a postage stamp, like mm-hmm. officially, uh, I did legally. Do that, yeah, um, and I think they signed that deal to. I give them some credit for pioneering video content on the internet and then that it was used south park was on the cutting edge of well because people were stealing it hands over hand over yeah i mean it got around the pilot or whatever got around through piracy Mm -hmm. it was a it was a video christmas card and it was just passed around years ago i think more than 10 years ago i think when i discovered piracy it was simpsons mr show dbz and south park that was the reasons i pirated shit um and south park was the first one to react to that and like now we have an official place and they were the first place it was just a site that had full episodes, and it looked like Hulu before Hulu, but it was only South Park. So the the writer strike, the big thing about it, it lasted from November fifth, two thousand seven, to February twenty first, two thousand eight. Like right in the middle of a TV season. Right in the middle mm. of like your mid season finale yeah. kind of areas. Um, and the estimated loss to the economy is somewhere around one point five to two billion dollars, and that's. You know, revenue based on what stuff you might have gotten, but that's what mm-hmm. it's estimated as. By the writers walking out and not producing shit, it cost the industry one point five to two billion. If you binge watch shows that were on, then you'll see, oh, the season's short, and that you make fewer episodes, you make less money. And the like, biggest issues spurring this writer strike on, and I love this because this mm-hmm. is still. If you go and read these articles, it's still what it's credited as: screen credits, mm-hmm. and the biggest. DVD residuals and something <laughs> called new media, mm-hmm. and it's it was just baffling going back and looking at it because DVDs in it it's, yeah. feels like it's almost done. <laughs> yeah, but back then it was big business. It was the biggest business. I, yeah. We could do it a whole laser time about things that were resurrected due to DVD success. Yeah. Chappelle was offered fifty million dollars, not based on his ratings, based on his DVD sales. Yeah. Family Guy exists because of DVD not sales. Bad, yeah. um, like Serenity, the movie happened because of DVD <laughs> yeah. sales, yeah. and the DVD. Arrangement that was there was just copy copy pasta from VHS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is how much writers get, and like, but V. This movie nobody sold. These movies TV never came on like VHS. Yeah. Like this doesn't make any sense. And you just sold twenty million copies of this. This mm-hmm. is not the same arrangement. And furthermore, they would be making extra features. And the new media portion was shit like South Park. And but iTunes was just starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what were the arrangements? Nothing. The, the, yes. the writers didn't get at that mm-hmm. point. There was no 
arrangement made for i for Amazon, for iTunes, oh, yeah. for South Park being online and South and like and they had to put new media because nobody knew what it was gonna be. Yeah, I mean we're They're, talking about this stuff on thirty twenty ten where yeah. it's like. This show debuted on CBS.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Will Ferrell's Phone Your Die launches. Yeah. You got to watch it on their proprietary player. <laughs> yeah. Fuck no. It's a, I mean, Netflix was streaming, but not TV shows. Not at this TV point, shows right? yet, yeah. and very, very limited. I wanted yeah. to say it was 07 or 08 when like we were at E3, and Microsoft was the first like Netflix app on your Xbox. It blew our minds. For the first time, you can watch Netflix on your television without this huge rigmarole in a pre-HDMI world. I, I feel of, like, so old you're talking about it's this. crazy, but it's only been ten years and it, it, it moved know, that fast. Yeah. And they had to make the new media it's life-changing, yeah. con- like connotation because nobody knew exactly how that was going to shake out. But there yeah. was not an agreement. Well, and especially late night was our late night shows, mm-hmm. and I include the Daily Show mm-hmm. and Colbert in this. That they were also seeing the money that could be. Yeah, they were seeing the money their company was making by just putting clips on their on dailyshow.com or on the tonight on nbc.com all these clips of their stuff that then like would be fucking like they didn't make money off of that and it was i think there was even a clip like the the one right before the strike Mm -hmm. Of John Stewart saying, "So we're about to go on strike because of uh, the internet." I have, I have that. Okay. Hang on, right. hang on. Okay. I want right. to get there uh, because, yeah, they conclude to go on strike, which was pretty devastating to the world mm-hmm. of entertainment. And and the one of the coolest things about it is that the biggest show at the time was The Office. And if mm. you didn't know, other than Steve Carell and the the main three, everybody else on the show was a writer. So DJ there were, Novak. So uh, there's a picket line, and they would they would they were really upset because they were asking them to create webisodes with a full cast, oh, yeah. with full writer staff, <laughs> with and not paying them at all. There was DVDs flying off the shelves. They were not being compensated do, at the same time. Do webisodes still exist? It's what they were called, yeah. like yeah. office well, webisodes. You don't see them as much. Actually, I read that um, at least the first seasons of the Netflix Marvel shows. Mm-hmm. Counted as webisodes, yeah, so they, they were they were paying less. To oh, them. it's they like a pay loophole. Unions. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And there's still Marvel's bad. there's still loopholes <laughs> there. So when you saw a picket line, you not only had writers that you didn't recognize, you had B.J. Novak and Mindy Kaling screaming into a camera, holding <laughs> signs, and there's a bunch of clips on it online. This is a uh, Greg Daniels is out there. But, oh uh, this man, is, uh, this is writer Mike Sher oh. talking next to Toby Flenderson. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm forgetting all the office characters' names. In our second season, we were asked to write webisodes, and we wrote ten original webisodes. Um, the whole writing staff wrote them, but Paul and I worked on them a lot. And uh, eight or nine of our series regulars acted in them, and they were all put on uh, NBC.com, and they sold ads. And they're still available on NBC.com, and they're still selling ads. And they won an Emmy. And for we their work actually on that. won a daytime Emmy. For those webisodes, but no one was compensated and, for it. And I, I, we got pay for the Emmy Award. We they will they uh, we'll apparently won't even pony up for the like twenty eight bucks it cost to buy us an actual Emmy. <laughs> That's like if you get an Emmy for working for free over the weekend and you don't get paid, just like what the hell? But I, I love wow. that the Office was in a rare position of being like the number one scripted show where m- yeah. most of the cast were writers. Yeah. I thought that was really fucking neat. I do love Greg Daniels. I said it on uh, Talking Simpsons. Is he not the most Millhousey of Simpsons? That's Mike he really Schreiber. is. Oh, that's Mike Schreiber. Oh, fine. Uh, okay. Right. Well, he's but also very Millhousey. He is quite Millhousey. He knows. Is he Dwight's brother or am I thinking of somebody else? No, but that is another writer. There's there's your Daniels. Okay. Uh, but, um, he's extra Millhousey. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like that, but this affected every show, and I'm trying. Like, I wanted to. There's I only have a couple clips left. I like John yeah. Stewart's take on it because this was really rough. 
yeah. for talk shows. Yes. Because they kept going. Huh? They kept going. They had to keep going. They kept going. Well, a lot of other shows cut production. They stopped in November, but then talk shows were told you have to come you back have to, to, at the start of January. And and to I think Letterman CBS arranged a deal with the guild mm-hmm. to like basically give them what they want before everybody else agreed so on it. So CBS paid Letterman's people the, and the writers, Ferguson. Yeah, the guild prices that would eventually get Done, yes, but that so was, they operated the like pants. everything wasn't going on. Whereas Conan and Leno yeah. adhered to the writers' strike, but had to air or lay off the crew. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so they had to keep going. Because yeah. a lot of times with, with strikes, you'll have like I don't know what they call them, sympathy strikes or something, mm-hmm. where it's like another another union will yeah. strike alongside yours because you do have similar purposes. Mm-hmm. And like the piano tuners union yes. when, yeah. this, when the teachers go and strike on the Simpsons. It's all about solidarity. And I, yeah. And, and, and that's not the case of in this, uh, where like, yeah, those stage workers at, mm-hmm. uh, at, at Rockefeller Center, they're not in the same union as, yeah. or, and it's not or like they can't afford to. I've worked here strike. for twenty years. You're telling me to leave and go find another job, yeah. like <laughs> so. The, the, they had to make this yeah. concession, like no writers for these talk shows. I mm-hmm. think most people yeah. have no idea there are writers on these talk shows, mm-hmm. but there are. To be that bad, Jay Leno <laughs> and Brian just makes it up. <laughs> Ellen yeah. can't be that funny. But yeah. I thought it was really funny what uh, the Daily Show and the Colbert Report did at the time. Mm-hmm. They both changed their titles. Uh, Col- Colbert Report. He pronounced the T as a hard consonant. <laughs> Colbert's report. Came mad. <laughs> to make Great. it clear, this is not the regular show. And here's John Stewart coming back, uh, scabbing it up during the writer's strike. Yeah. Hey, that's me drawing on what would be a script. <laughs> Sitting there. Hey, now I just draw on the table. What's happening? Welcome back to the show. Obviously, this is our first night back. Uh, there is a writer's strike going on. The other late night shows have come back. Uh, Letterman, Conan, they all obviously made a, a statement of their uh, here suit solidarity they all came back uh, with i too beards. and i'm not sure you can tell right now i have a writer strike solidarity unibrow I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> unibrow in but again changing, yeah. changing the title was a much more bold initiative uh the daily show with john stewart is a show that we do with uh our very creative team of field producers and correspondents and studio people and video people and of course our writers and it's the show that we've uh, been extremely proud of uh, these past few years uh so from from now on until the end of the strike uh we will be doing a daily show with john stewart <laughs> but not the daily show <laughs> of it became a daily show with john stewart and and some people i've heard minor criticisms because it was without writers mm-hmm. one of the most notable things to happen was that john stewart stephen colbert and conan o'brien Stage an elaborate cross show fight okay. that wasn't on each other's show. There's behind the scenes of like they're not. It wasn't written. They just showed up and pretend to fight and yeah. told cameras where to film. I'll bite your ankles now. <laughs> but like, tech, I mean, yeah. But that also technically gets into what is and isn't writing. It, it like, does. Yeah, it does. And if anything, I was watching again, mm-hmm. where I wasn't really watching before because every night one of them would cross pollinate and yeah. t- kind of defeating the purpose of the writer's yeah. strike. I remember that night of watching The Daily Show into Colbert and then into Conan with all their fighting, and that the Conan ended with them finally having their big fight, and it ends with a triple punch where they all punch <laughs> each other, and then it pauses like the end of Rocky Three <laughs> with the painting over it. I forgot about all this, and it's then, really hard to find because like yeah. none of this media was really preserved. <laughs> and then in a uh, and then in a thing that was funny then back when Mike Huckabee was somebody who didn't like immediately be re- revolted <laughs> by he then came on and just like 
we he had a message of solidarity like we these late night shows need to stop fighting each other and oh. that, but it was it was his last gambit of like please i want to be the 2008 nominee please. so he wasn't there to do, to do the monologue he's no. so funny on twitter guys check <laughs> him out you'll never see a joke so thoroughly explained <laughs> by the joke teller so uh, there's fallout to this operating with and without writers and so many weird things happen one of the weirdest uh the show dexter on Showtime, about a murderous serial killer with lots of hardcore That's scenes right. and nudity, was, was sanitized CBS. and aired on CBS. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of other shows went away for a while or had shortened seasons. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Uh, un- un- yeah, unintended consequences. Uh, no new shows. The new media thing that they were trying to outline started to attract more people. Mm-hmm. And, a- yeah. and that season saw record lows and dips as pe- it literally sent people off into yeah. the ether to discover new things to you know, watch. You know, another amazing thing that happened then, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Yes. Joss yep. Whedon made that to prove he could make something without Completely independently. And he made all, like he said, he made way, made way more money off that than he did off Serenity. Yeah, like, yeah, like because I think everybody had the same deal. Everybody... Gets a residual from it. It exists forever. It's great, Doctor Horrible. Yeah. Other never made that sequel though. Horrible consequences. Here's one oh, no, uh, for you Transformers no. fans. Well, listen to you, little punk ass. I mean, what you have done for us except ding my rim, kill Megatron? How about that? Well, he didn't get the job done. You know what I mean? Because he's back now. You, know you scared? It's scared. Get your ugly face off. Two of the most hated characters and <laughs> one of the most hated movies and one the, of the most uh, hated franchises. The NAACP gave the gave the movie an award, right? Like <laughs> this is the most progressive view of our people. So you couldn't tell that was. SpongeBob and Black Baron <laughs> yes. taking up the mantle of Mudflap and Skids. It's very real Transformers characters, but Michael Bay was on a tour like, yeah, the writer strike didn't slow. And this is like 2009. Strike didn't slow me. Down. Didn't slow me down. I worked on the script myself. Like we, we know this is what's going on in your yes. head, Michael Bay. It's terrible. It's oh, yeah. one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire it was, life. It reminds me of a joke on Thirty Rock where. She's thinking about a future with no writers, mm-hmm. and she sees a poster for like Transformers Three, written by no one. No. <laughs> uh, the one of the worst Marvel movies ever made, Wolverine Origins. Oh, mm. was another byproduct yeah. of not being oh. able to hire unionized writers oh. on, and had to just go forth yeah. without. Like, we have a script. We have a script. Uh, do we have? We have this character named Deadpool. <laughs> who's pretty popular, who talks a lot, So, but in the script, his mouth is sewn up, and he's a video game boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that Wow. It, it's Ryan Reynolds huh. making his... It's very weird to watch that yeah. movie sequence, because it is a very bad introduction mm. to Deadpool, and I, I am I am both thankful and baffled that he was able to make that character come back yeah. after we, that debut. We got the real Deadpool, and now it's just a joke Deadpool can mm-hmm. make. But uh, and, and another thing of the writer Strikes was, uh, I, I thought 30 Rock handled it really well, because... When they came back from the writer's mm-hmm. strike, their first episode back was about the writer's strike, and it was about how the girly show had gone on strike and had been replaced by MILF Island, yep. and it was oh, about yeah. the evils of reality shows. And so MILF I, Island, which is when you get voted off MILF Island, you take your top off and put it in the fire. So, it's difficult yeah, to I, research, but what show debuted in the fall of are we really 2007? Well, January of 2008, so right in the middle of the strike... Mm-hmm. Celebrity Apprentice. Celebrity oh, Apprentice. Oh no! I was, and I was going to say 07, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Uh, yeah. At the end of 07, they debuted then, and like networks really, really leaned on shows like Dancing yeah. with the Stars, made more American Idols, made more singing competitions. Reality shows don't need writers, even though they are so. Written it was and so staged. Part of the strike is getting credited because shit like The Hills, which was so supremely it was scripted, a, it was a scripted, show. and they weren't credited yeah. on. on 
on television. Yeah. They wanted to get they wanted to get credit for that. I, well, yeah, the lie of those shows is you wouldn't like them as much if you didn't think they were real. But it's like pro wrestling, mm-hmm. the same deal. Just to like, you know, look, I know it's not real, but let me enjoy this. But on the 30 Rock tip, like a year later, they win an Emmy. Mm-hmm. And Tina Fey makes a joke, I'm sorry, my show costs more than a talk <laughs> show. Because the announcement was also made that Jay Leno is not going away. Mm-hmm. Jay Leno's going to 10 o'clock mm-hmm. in a place that mm-hmm. doesn't need writers yeah. and this the amount of money the NBC was so excited thought they had the best way solution bigger ever. profit margin yes. way bigger profit margin because these shows are cheaper to produce we'll put on nine talk shows in a row yeah. and that will be our primetime block yeah. and all, Didn't all the Conan so well for NBC it was one of the <laughs> and it you could directly attribute it to the writer strike because yeah. because and that's what happens sometimes you have a strike you teach your boss to work without you but yeah, yeah. the Celebrity Apprentice angle of it, it was it was a show that was I, I've seen was, people pull up these things of like these, I, I these literally stories that say it. we weren't going to make this show, but then the writer strike happened, so yeah. we need it to fill time. Yeah. So it, a failed fat asshole <laughs> who had no reason to be on TV other you than you were listeners. <laughs> his <laughs> only job was to pretend he was rich and to pretend and be a game show and host. say the n word as little as possible <laughs> when the cameras are rolling and wear poorly fitting suits. <laughs> he got to be on TV and. And be famous again, and it, the path to now yeah. is started there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my reaction in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I was like, oh, this guy again. All right, well, sure. Thought we were done with this. Yeah, guy. Like, all I want is to never think of Donald Trump again. Like, I don't want that. I think Mad Magazine stopped making jokes about him in nineteen ninety four, and I'm like, oh, uh, I guess it's, he's back and uh, bigger than ever. <laughs> I, I literally it's, wasn't. Yeah, it's going... very possible that like The Apprentice would have ended. After like three seasons with just normal people, I was but that Celebrity like, Apprentice is like, well, there's nothing to watch. It's January. All of the regular shows are on strike. Here's a show with Donald Trump and a bunch of B-level people that I sort of know, yep. and the people watched it, and then that spawned like four more Celebrity Apprentices yes. and kept them on TV. No, it was long. It was on, 2016. It was on longer than the regular Apprentice. Yeah, <sighs> it revitalized that show, and that was just going to talk about canceled. Real, yeah. Like last comic standing, very canceled. Came yeah. back after years yeah. to come back because it didn't need writers. It, it could just lean on funny people yeah. being funny. Uh, but Celebrity Apprentice is the biggest one. Yeah. It, it could yeah. you could directly attribute <laughs> I, everything that's happening. I right do now. remember there's a run of like three or four Family Guy episodes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Hank. Yeah. But there's like where uh, like Seth MacFarlane like the script is written, but we cannot do rewrites on this. Mm-hmm. And it's really awkward, like a, like a, like three or four episodes end in a row with like here's two minutes of Conway Twitty. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, you know, I say a lot of mean things about Seth MacFarlane, but to he was credit, very it, pro the writers. On yeah, him. I watched the speech that he was giving he was, today. He was way up that he gave of yeah. the writer strike. Yeah, um, and I will say I've been a professional writer my entire adult life. Mm-hmm. And from experience, I can tell you uh, the most resentment from managers is directed towards writers. It's like yeah. it's the, the idea is like, why are we even paying you? Anyone should be able to do this. Yes. We hate that we have to pay I you to do this. I wanted this written. I didn't want a human being around. Yeah, it's like, why Why do you need to be here? It's, yes. it, and why I'm do not, you tell me it takes longer than I think it does to do I'm, I'm, saying, that, I'm saying that from the perspective of a writer, but like, I just don't see that with like really have to hire an HR person? Yeah, exactly. Who the fuck wants HR? Yeah. Who wants an accountant? <laughs> like, you just pay for them. It's just yeah. part of how you get what you need done. But, but I think the idea is like, oh, there's just words everywhere and they're all free, so why can't you just do it for free? Come on. I wouldn't read this anyway, so yeah. who cares? Like, it's it's very strange, but that's yeah, that's, that's the right. We writers stick together, yeah. and I'm yes. glad we avoided another one because we could have gotten our next president, um, <laughs> <laughs> our twenty our twenty thirty president. There can't be a worse one than this guy. No, right? no, Jeff Probst. No, Jeff Probst. I would vote for every reality star over him. Kim Kardashian, bring her on. Mike yeah, Rowe for Steve, president. Steve Harvey. 
And his, his running mate is just his mustache. Uh, do some more. 2027. That's what I'm hoping for. But so we do not is, talk to him without an appointment. <laughs> this, is, this has been Laser Time. And I, again, apologies for getting political, but hey, it's who we are and what we do. Hope you like this show. If you didn't, there's a bunch of other fun shows out there you might like about voting on t- the best TV themes mm-hmm. or uh, a, a big long look at the Disney afternoon, twin movies. Really, I had a fun time doing the show this year, and uh, thanks yeah. everybody for showing mm-hmm. up and listening. Really do like it. This has been a ton of fun. If we're getting into the plugs, oh, yeah, I'm H E N E R E Y G on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I am sick of corporations. If you want to see my hard left <laughs> views of of wanting things slightly better for workers, <laughs> for people than, who aren't me, for people who aren't me, I know a very hard left view. I what I'm saying is I am an angel and the greatest person ever for for speaking out for. <laughs> That's just some virtue signaling, Hank. Anyway, follow me there. The whole show. Bob <laughs> and uh, and give to Patreon because that does you know we are kind of part of that with the Patreon stuff that it is outside of that I, shitty system. Thankful we can avoid yeah. that yeah. because of th- p- th- places like Patreon and you directly supporting what you do mm. want, what you do. It's not even what you want, what you like. You are supporting us so we can continue doing this, not to necessarily get anything. And new. you're not, re- and your life isn't like under the demands of some asshole executive who lo- who's some fucking frat boy <laughs> who just hugs his buddies and drinks wine in the office and, s- and quotes <laughs> fucking Animal House. This shows. I'm not talking about. <laughs> specific person. Oh, of course not. This show's oh. pretty good, but how do I preserve my job? Yes. <laughs> That's what we don't have to deal with anymore. Exactly. Anyway. Uh, also, part of our network is 302010, the show that goes back 10, 20, and 30 years. So, uh, yeah, in a couple of months, we'll probably be talking more about the 2007-2008 uh, writers' put this strike. whole segment in. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, just a lot of the shows that we just talked about. Oh, yeah. The Apprentice, The Office. Shit that's going uh, away. Yeah, Leno yeah. Letterman, all oh, that stuff. Gonna yeah. suck. <laughs> but yeah, 302010. You can find all this at lasertimepodcast.com as well as uh, Talking Simpsons, yes, uh, which is, hey. is where I got this clip from. Now do classical gas! <laughs> <laughs> Stole it straight from last segment to Springfield, a show we did recently. And you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. This is Bob Mackey, by the way. And outside of Talking Simpsons, my other podcast is Retronauts, a weekly, but now we're six times a month, so it's kind of weird. Mm. We're a six times a month podcast Jesus about Christ. classic gaming. It's not even a word for that. Uh, we need to create one, <laughs> but just like go to Retronauts. Ovulation Retrona- cycle. <laughs> Retronauts.com every Monday and I think every other Friday for a new episode. If you're new to the show, I say find a subject you want to hear us talk about and just download it. You should be happy. I can't make any guarantees, but you should be happy. If you're a Laser Time fan, I would definitely say the uh, the quiz that was done yes. somewhat recently the, that, that we're all on. The mm. Zelda's uh, Treasure Jingle Quiz, <laughs> yes. the Pac-Man Christmas Special, Oof. Bart's Nightmare, oh, Bart yeah. versus the Space Mutants. If you like us, you'll like those episodes. Yeah. And yeah, I did forget to fully plug Talking Simpsons, but it's our weekly exploration yeah. of the Simpsons from the beginning. We are into the, we're nearing the end of season five. Can you believe it? And uh, please support that. Yeah, first season Talking so, Simpsons yeah, on Patreon.com. One of the strike episodes, time. right? Yeah. You've done the power plant strike, but you haven't done the teacher strike yet. PTA disbands. Coming up soon. Mm, Six right. months, I think. Yeah. Six months, people. Check out LaserDenPodcast.com. Thank you very much. And why not, in honor of a, a, a fallen singer, let's go out with a hunger strike. From Temple the Dog, lead singer Chris Cornell. R.I.P. Brother, R.I.P. And it's on the table.